This is the Sideline Dissonant Podcast, coming to you from iTunes and YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, as always, at the Brad Whitaker. I am the Brad Whitaker, all basketball, all NBA, uh, for the most part today. Uh, going to talk about beating the Cavs and beating the Warriors in both the East and Western Conference. Also going to talk about the Lonzo Ball and the Big Baller brand, whether they're delusional or brilliant. Uh, and also... No college basketball today. I'm unlike everyone in the media not named Jay Billis. I'm not going to pretend I've been watching Middle Tennessee State play all season. Uh, but first, uh, I'm going to start with beating the Cleveland Cavaliers. Similar to the Warriors, they're going through a bit of a slump right now. Um, I think they probably have a better shot at reaching the NBA Finals currently, looking at their injury situation and the, the players that they have uh, than the Warriors. Uh, but... It's not going to be an easy path for the Cavaliers, especially this season because of three teams in the East that could potentially challenge them. Uh, and, you know, I, they, there's, you know, the Pacers, there's other teams in the East that could do some damage. But for the most part, I think there's really only three teams. These will probably be the four teams in the Eastern Conference semifinals, the Celtics, the Wizards, the Raptors, and of course the Cavaliers. Uh so a door is open for, you know, those three teams, Boston, Washington, and Toronto. Uh, so I'll go through each team one by one and tell you how I think they could potentially beat the Cavs. And at the end, I'll tell you uh, if I do think it's a real possibility. Uh, first, the uh, the Boston Celtics, my team, uh, their biggest issue is rebounding. It's been rebounding all season, uh, especially on the offensive end. Offensive rebounds, believe it or not... Uh, I've been studying basketball analytics. I'm still an amateur, but uh, the one thing that stood out to me the most in the, the last month since I've started studying it is the importance of offensive rebounding. If you win the offensive rebounding battle, you tend to win the game. And uh, the Celtics are just not a great offensive rebounding team. That being said, their perimeter defense is huge, perhaps the best in the NBA. Uh, we saw what they did to the Golden State Warriors uh, last week. This is the kind of team built, uh, at least the kind of defensive unit built for today's modern NBA. Uh, they can stop the Warriors on the perimeter. And the Cavs are even more three-point shoot- shooting oriented this year, bringing in Kyle Korver. Now J.R. Smith is healthy, and we know Kevin Love can shoot from deep and obviously... Uh, Kyrie Irving, LeBron has changed his game in one offseason, which is incredible, and he's now a great three-point shooter again, uh, like he was uh, during his first stint in Cleveland. Uh, so really, I, I, I think uh, the Celtics, it's going to come down to Kevin Love if he's 100% or not when he comes back. Uh, if he isn't, if he isn't 100%, if he's, you know, 75-80%, that really gives Boston their best chance. And uh, Jay Crowder is one of the best in the league at defending LeBron James. He's certainly one of the most overlooked defenders in the NBA. Uh, so, you know, the Celtics definitely do have a shot at beating the Cavaliers in a seven-game series. Uh, I'm not going to give them the edge by any means, but... Uh, a lot could break their way, uh, and I'll, I'll address that in just a second. But moving on to the Washington Wizards, similar to Boston, they also have uh, rebounding issues on the defensive end, but they're much better at offensive rebounding than the Celtics are. I believe they're like 10th or 11th in the league. And uh, most of the, the – really, the, the teams that 
many are predicting to go far in the playoffs in the East and the West aren't great offensive rebounding teams, except the Wizards aren't bad. I don't think the Raptors are bad either, and the, the Rockets are a pretty good offensive rebounding team as well. Uh, but uh, with Gortat, the Wizards can do a lot, and you know you get Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre all breaking out. They've been able to stretch the defense more so now than in years past. And really, I think that uh, a Wizards-Cavaliers series would come down to the matchup between Kyrie Irving and John Wall. Uh, and, and, you know, I think LeBron could tear apart the Wizards offensively, uh, but could John Wall be enough to mitigate Kyrie Irving? And uh, the Wizards are a great transition basketball team. I think uh, everyone likes to think of Russell Westbrook as kind of the transition point guard, uh, but the way he moves the ball from end, from coast to coast on the floor, it's it's way clunkier than what John Wall has been able to do. And by the way, John Wall has improved his field goal percentage, I think, like three to four points a season. He's shooting better from three than ever before, and he's become a much better passer. So... Who knows, uh, ESPN and their power rankings this week actually put the Wizards ahead of the Cavaliers. Not saying I agree with that, but that would certainly be an explosive seven-game series, and I think it potentially would go seven if the Wizards and the Cavs were to meet in the playoffs. Uh, now the Toronto Raptors, everyone's overlooking them because the Wizards and the Celtics are kind of hogging the attention in the East right now, uh, and they haven't been a consistent rebounding team. Uh, but as we saw last last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Raptors are capable of matching and even overpowering Cleveland physically. Uh, that Valanchunas guy is a beast. And uh, DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan, and Kyle Lowry. Uh, Lowry's having some health issues right now, but he should be back in full health by the postseason. Uh, because they play in Toronto and everyone forgets there's a Canadian team in the NBA, I think DeRozan and Lowry are two of the more underrated players in the NBA, certainly offensively. Uh, again, Lowry needs to be healthy and consistently hitting shots from above the arc, and DeRozan has really elevated his game even more uh, this season alone. Uh, I don't know if I'd put him in the MVP conversation, certainly, but... He really does make a difference. I'd be interested. I don't have it. I don't have it here in front of me. I'd be interested to see what his real plus minus is this season. Demar Derozan. He's really having an incredible year. So uh, they also they brought in Ibaka. That hasn't had the same kind of impact everybody thought it would. I didn't really think it would have that significant of an impact. Uh, but don't overlook the Raptors. They're kind of retooled uh, from what they had last year. And don't forget they brought Cleveland to six games and really outplayed them in a lot of those games in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, now, again, I don't think these three teams I've listed, the Celtics, the Wizards, the Raptors, I don't think any of these teams will likely beat the Cavs in a seven-game series. Uh, certainly, I don't think they'll beat them without home court advantage. I think Toronto will be very difficult for them to pass uh, Cleveland in the playoff race, but Boston and Washington are certainly capable right now of reaching that number one seed especially the Celtics. They have a very easy schedule the rest of the way. They just wrapped up a West Coast road trip. So did the Wizards. But I think like the combined record or winning percentage of the Wizards' remaining schedule is above 70%. In the Celtics, it's like 35%. And most of their games are on the East Coast, Boston, the rest of the way. I don't think they're traveling more than 3,000 miles in total the rest of the regular season, and the average NBA team is, is traveling like 9,000 miles. And, you know, the Wizards, it looks like they have a tough schedule the rest of the way. So 
I would certainly give Boston the edge at reaching the number one seed. I'm not sure if they're actually the better team compared to Washington. I think Scott Brooks is going to win coach of the year. Uh, it's going to come down to him and Brad Stevens in all likelihood. But Brooks has really turned that team around in one year. I hated Randy Whitman as head coach in Washington. They, he There was nothing going on in the half court offensively, and the defense was lackluster at best. And Scott Brooks really turned that around. Uh, I think the Thunder really lost something uh, when they, I mean, nothing against uh, Billy Donovan, but Scott Brooks is a very underrated head coach, and he's really done a good job at turning around that Wizards team. Uh, but again, the Celtics have a much easier schedule than Washington, so they have a chance of the number one seed, and in, and if either of those teams get home court, uh, I think they could beat the Cavaliers. I'm not going to say they're the favorite. Uh, you know, a lot will depend on the health of Kevin Love. If the veterans that were brought in, Kyle Korver, Darren Williams, are able to mesh with, you know, J.R. Smith because he just returned from injury. There's just, there's a lot of veterans, but there's smart players out there on Cleveland. I think they can turn things around quickly, but, you know, uh, there isn't much time to build that team chemistry, especially when you bring in a deep threat like Kyle Korver and play him alongside J.R. Smith. And, you know, I love Tristan Thompson. I think he's underrated, but, uh... Cleveland could could be outmatched physically also, um, and obviously LeBron James's health is the most important, uh, but as long as you have LeBron out there, I would still say the Cavaliers are the favorite, even with Kyrie uh, or Kevin Love out potentially if, if an injury were to occur. Uh, LeBron James is the biggest difference maker in the NBA, and you know I would give him the MVP, but uh, that's a conversation I've had many times and one I do not feel like having today. So I just recapped uh, the teams in the Eastern Conference I feel are capable of beating the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs. I'm not saying they will, I'm saying they're capable of doing that. And uh, I will do the same in the Western Conference with the Warriors and four different teams that I think could potentially beat them. And I'll get to that in a minute, but first, uh, the, the main story of the day, uh, Lonzo Ball projected to be either the number one or number two pick in this year's draft. Uh, he has a bit of a non-traditional upbringing compared to most talented basketball players we've seen in the last few years uh, that have been drafted one or two overall. Uh, if, you, if you haven't heard the story, uh, Lonzo Ball plays for UCLA. UCLA, a number three seed in the tournament this year. Uh, they're, they're looking they're looking pretty strong because of Ball and and. You know, maybe ball alone. I mean, he's he's a really dynamic player. Uh, he's a lot like Ben Simmons, but he shoots better than Ben Simmons. He has two younger brothers that are both top recruits. Both are committed to UCLA. Uh, but the real story is the father of the three Ball brothers, uh, LeVar Ball. His dad, LeVar Ball, hated the world of AAU basketball. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of AAU either. Uh, so what he basically did is, you know, he has all these kids. They're 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 close to the same age, but they're all different ages. And he basically formed a super team with his sons and their own brand called the Big Baller B- Brand. The Big Baller Brand, which he believes will compete with Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, 
the same way Netflix competed with Blockbuster. In fact, he won't let his son sign a shoe deal. This is the big story of the day. He will not let his son sign a shoe deal unless it's worth $1 billion combined with the three kids. He even said $100 million a year over 10 years. Uh, just to give you some perspective, LeBron James has a $1 billion deal with Nike, but that is also a lifetime deal. It's not spread out over 10 years. Um, so, <laughs> in other words, his sons are not getting their own shoe deals or signing any agent. Uh, everything will be done through the family big baller brand. Now, is the whole, uh, all three of my kids are worth $1 billion combined, Shoe deal, is that crazy? Ah, uh, yes, it's absolutely crazy. But is it out of the realm of possibility? I'm going to say no. And here's why. And I, I look, I, I'm not sure. Lonzo Ball looks to be the real deal. I think he could be a real star in the NBA, especially if he goes to a team like the Lakers. The Celtics could pick him up, and that would be huge. Either of those teams uh, would be huge if they brought in Lonzo Ball this offseason. Uh, but I will say this, the world of basketball is changing, and it seems to be changing a lot quicker than most expect, and it's, it's catching a lot of people off guard. Uh, as we've seen in the last decade, World Wide West, his connection with LeBron, LeBron James, he's the biggest power broker in the NBA, and he accomplished all this without really any business ties to basketball. Uh, and then somebody, uh, Jalen Brown of the Celtics, he's really had a good uh, three weeks uh, he, I think he's going to be a superstar. I think Boston was brilliant drafting him third overall. Uh, he didn't even sign an agent before he was drafted. He instead opting to consult with multiple multiple mentors, ex-NBA players, uh, agents, different people. And then he's going to make his own business decisions and promote his own personal brand that way. That's changing the game alone, just what Jalen Brown did in the offseason. So with that in mind, there's no reason to think if just, you know, one of Javal's sons, most likely Lonzo, uh, just one of those kids turns into a superstar, they're not capable of challenging the status quo. I think they certainly are. And, you know, the real issue here, and we've heard a lot from LeVar Ball uh, over these last few weeks in the media, and we really haven't heard much from his sons, uh, how do they actually feel about their father's involvement? Do they think he's overreaching? What happens if Lonzo gets a $100 million shoe off for this offseason? Will he turn that down to participate in his father's experiment, which uh, is, again, it's an experiment. Uh, we don't know how it's going to turn out. Uh, you know, a lot will depend on where Lonzo Ball goes uh, and how effective he is right off the bat. But if everyone is aboard, this is definitely possible. Everything in business is becoming democratized nowadays, and there's no reason to think like a small, talented, basketball-driven family isn't capable of changing things. You know, it's very possible that the days of big-name agents and big-brand shoe deals are coming to an end. I mean, everything else is changing in, in the technology world. Why can't it happen in professional sports? Uh, so... At the end of this, I, I, you know, we'll either be laughing or we'll be calling LeVar Ball and his three sons absolutely brilliant. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I would definitely watch this space over the offseason and in the coming seasons. I don't know. I don't get the idea the other Ball kids are quite as good as Lonzo, but who knows? I mean, these guys play against each other in the backyard. ESPN did a feature piece on it uh, either yesterday or the day before. Uh this is a fascinating story and definitely something to watch in the next, 
one to three years. And, uh, you know, I think Lonzo, again, Lonzo Ball is the real deal. Uh, I think he can make a big difference in the NBA and change the game with this big baller brand if he goes to a team like the Celtics or the Lakers. Uh, but again, this is definitely a space you should watch over the next few years. Golden State Warriors, it it sounded crazy just a couple of weeks ago, but now the San Antonio Spurs are actually tied with the Warriors for the top seed in the Western Conference, and you know, uh, I, I things are looking better for Cleveland, they're in a bit of a slump right now, but I think they'll turn it back, especially now with J.R. Smith coming back and, and Kevin Love on uh Kevin Love, he'll, he'll be back very soon, and I, I think he'll probably be 100% by the playoffs. As for the Warriors, look, I, I, I did a segment on them yesterday. They brought in Kevin Durant in the offseason, which certainly put them at the top of the, the N- NBA title race, but they lost a lot of depth, and they lost a lot of size bringing in Durant. Uh, Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut, Festus Azili, Leandro Barbosa, uh, you know, and even role players like Sean Livingston are not the same for Golden State because uh, there just aren't quite as many pieces and weapons on the floor. And you lose a player like Duran, or if you lose Draymond Green later or something, you know that really presents some vulnerabilities for the Warriors. And we're starting to see that right now. And many believe Kevin Durant will not be a hundred percent for the playoffs. Uh, so, and who who knows? Maybe he won't even be back uh, for the first or second round. I think the Warriors could still win without him in those rounds, but. It's interesting, and I, I think there are four possible teams that could beat Golden State right now, even with Durant back. So I'll go through them one by one, uh, starting with the Houston Rockets. I, I, I've said this time and time again, I'm not a fan of Houston's half-court offense. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Mike D'Antoni as a head coach, but he is the perfect fit for Houston and what they're trying to do. And the Rockets really do have the analytics game down, more so than most organizations in the NBA. They have a lot of great three-point shooters, and when they're not shooting threes, they're getting layups. And uh, they can also rebound and play physical. James Harden is passing better than he ever has before. We know he's a liability on defense, but uh, he's... He's fine-tuned his offensive game in a way that I I didn't expect. And uh, if Kevin Durant is not 100%, as most believe he will not for the postseason, I think Houston likely presents the greatest challenge to Golden State because they they can do everything that is required in today's modern-day NBA. And even though James Harden is not a great defender, everyone else is pretty good. So... If that perimeter defense can step up, if Kevin Durant isn't healthy, Stephen Curry keeps shooting cold like he's been the last week or two, Houston could perhaps be the greatest challenge uh, to Golden State. Now, I know what you're thinking. What about the Spurs? They're the number one seed. They're the Patriots in the NBA. They always have a shot, and they're currently tied for the number one seed. Uh, But the thing about San Antonio, and don't get me wrong, San Antonio certainly is capable of beating Golden State. Uh, they're having a lot of issues in their front court. Everyone loves to talk about Kawhi Leonard's defense, but uh, he hasn't been as impactful in defense as he has been in years past. In fact, the Spurs this season have played better defensively with Kawhi Leonard off the floor. 
and uh, there's still a ton of aging veterans on that team. Okay, but I'm done speaking negatives about the Spurs. Uh, a Warriors series would likely come down to home court, and San Antonio is in really good position to claim that number one seed right now. And Popovich schematically probably can beat the Warriors better now than he could last season, even if Kevin Durant is back 100%, uh, because he can take advantage of their lack of size and depth. He's going to expose all of Golden State's weaknesses. So... If Kevin Durant is 100%, isn't 100%, that's really going to pay uh, play towards San Antonio's advantage. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge isn't quite the same as he's been in years past, but he's still impactful. Uh, I still love Tony Parker, and Kawhi Leonard has turned his game up offensively even more so, and I'm sure he will be a Defensive Player of the Year caliber player once the playoffs come around. Now, as for the Clippers, uh, I think they are a more talented team than the Warriors if we're going by old-school basketball standards. They can rebound, they can play physical, and knock down mid-range jumpers in their sleep. Problem is, mid-range jumpers don't win anymore in the NBA. So Stephen Curry would need to continue shooting poorly from three. KD would have to be at like 50%, and J.J. Redick would have to have the series of his life. Even right now, I just don't think the Clippers are capable of beating the Warriors, even if Durant were out of the lineup. Uh, but they certainly have a lot of veterans uh, and superstars on that team, or aging superstars. Uh, it would be a fun series to watch, but... I just don't really give the Clips that much of a chance. And part of the reason is what I saw against the Utah Jazz the other day, which is clearly the most underrated team in the NBA. Nobody pays attention to Utah, uh, they're, and they're kind of boring. They're the slowest team in the NBA. Everyone's into transition basketball, uh, but because of it, they don't make a lot of mistakes. And if they can control the tempo against a team like Golden State uh, that runs the ball more than any team in the league, uh, they're certainly capable of beating them. Rudy Gobert is overwhelmingly the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year, and he's the kind of rim protector that could give the Warriors fits in the same way that uh, uh, Steven Adams did of the Thunder uh, last year in the, the conference finals. And uh, Gordon Hayward can continue to dominate offensively. He's only 26 years old. Everyone forgets that. Uh, but his defense would really need to step up, along with the rest of the Utah team on the perimeter uh, Warriors would need to shoot cold, and KD would not need to be not so healthy. Uh, but again, I give the Houston Rockets, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Utah Jazz a better chance at beating the Warriors than I give Boston or Washington or Toronto at beating the Cavaliers. Uh, Warriors are extremely vulnerable in a wear-you-down kind of seven-game series. Even with KD, he definitely needs to be healthy uh, and spread the defense because we... We, fa we found out in these last couple of weeks, the Warriors are not, or Stephen Curry especially, is not the same without Kevin, Kevin Durant on the floor. And there isn't the same size and depth to compensate uh, in Golden State like there were last year. Because, you know, if you're paying attention to Barbosa or Barnes or Bogut, that's also going to create more open shots for Stephen Curry, who, you know, everyone was saying he's the greatest shooter of all time. He's not, he's like barely top 10 players in the league this year so uh again I, the, the Cavs are struggling right now but I give them a much better chance at this point of reaching the NBA finals than I give the Warriors and a lot of it has to do with the conference too again Houston the Spurs Utah they can all play physical uh 
And, uh, I, I mean, James Harden's playing great right now. Uh, I don't give the Clippers much of a chance, uh, but that would certainly be an interesting series, especially if Kevin Durant were, were out. Uh, so that's it for today's podcast. I'll be back tomorrow for the last one of the week. Then I'm going to enjoy my March Madness and try to actually learn a little bit of college basketball and not pretend I've been paying attention to Middle Tennessee State all season like everyone else in the sports media. Until then, I bid you adieu.